Welcome, everybody. This is Bamboo Weekly, episode 175. Uh, it is 22nd of August. Uh, Christmas is coming. Get ready for that in the Northern Hemisphere, of course. Summer is coming in the Southern Hemisphere, which is so mind-blowing still. Oh, in the is coming across the world. The winter yes. is coming in the Northern Hemisphere. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer is coming in the Southern Hemisphere, right? But the Christmas is universal. It's the, time, it's the same time. It's the same time for everybody. It, it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, on this now you, yeah, don't generalize. You never know. Anyway, so <laughs> in the BMV weekly, we talk about the latest we on argue Microsoft three sixty five. Yeah, exactly. Uh, latest on Microsoft three sixty five. Uh, we do have a visitor uh, almost always on the show, uh, with few exceptions in the past. But uh, and then we cover the latest news from Microsoft and from community. This week uh, we have Gavin Barron from the Microsoft Craft team. Uh, he used to be a partner, uh, part working on the partner side, uh, so as an ISV or a system integrator, but joined Microsoft Craft team quite recently, a few weeks ago. So we'll talk about with him on his journey to be an MVP and then move into the Craft team and what now. Um, he's been pretty open on social media on, on the fact that it's it's drinking from the fire hose and trying to figure out how the system actually works. So how long did it take you, Valdek, on, on getting kind of a relaxed? So, so that was an interesting thing, right? When I joined, so before I joined, I was in the Microsoft 365 space for 12, 13 years-ish, yep. right? And I thought, like, you know what? Like, and I joined Microsoft in the same space. Right, so I used to work in 365 space or SharePoint Office 365, Microsoft 365 with all the things like, you know, identity, Azure and all that. So tech-wise, I knew my things. And I joined job in the same space, like being an advocate for Microsoft 365, building 365 apps. It's like, okay, I know this. And then I when this. I joined, I recall my manager said, you know what, it's going to take you like nine months to really like, you know, find your Provide way. <laughs> Nine months. No, 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 no. Like to really understand how things work and all that. I was like, yeah. nine months. Yeah. I was like, how? Like, I've got all this experience. Like, true. No. True. And then it turned out he was right, but I was right too. Right. So, yes, on the tech space, I was like, I got it. Like, there was nothing. Yep. Like, I was pretty up to date on the things like, you know, like Teams, Microsoft Graph, APIs, Azure servers, like all the tech things. On the other hand, processes, people, how we look at impacts at Microsoft, how we do work, how we organize ourselves, all the different teams. Yep. Well, I'm, I knew that there are internal teams doing different things, like <laughs> how people work, how people organize, how people yep. like all the things like reorg, like how we try to address changes in the market through reorg, it's like how all of that works. That was like he was right. It definitely took me a few months to really like find my place and like how do I fit in the org. Yep. Uh, finding my pace, how you communicate about things, the let's say non-technical part of the job that definitely took me a few months. Despite like me being like, how? No way! <laughs> I know my things. I'm yeah. I'm not coming from college. I yeah, yeah. I have work experience. I have field experience. It's like yeah, that's cute, and this is different. Yes. Exactly. And then you understand the connections between the organizations and teams and finally start realizing that, oh, those people are interested only about these things. Those people are interested in these things. Now it makes sense why they externally... Well, is- people <laughs> focus on their work, which is good. Yes, because exactly. You, because Microsoft exactly. is a big place, so you cannot yep. do it all. Yep. Um, 
but then we also need to appreciate the fact that our developers, customers, they approach things differently. Like yep, how we are organized internally is less relevant to them when they build apps on 365, absolutely. right? So, so absolutely. this is also an interesting dynamic and connection that in my job, and, and I guess you have exactly the same thing, right? What that you can bring to your team because you're exposed to that yep. and they might be exposed to that a bit less. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we'll probably have a similar discussion with Gavin um, because that interview is happening later today as we're recording this a bit earlier. But let's jump on that interview um, and then go back and come back on the weekly articles. Welcome, uh, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that story oh, really well. <laughs> so welcome, Gavin, uh, to the PMP Weekly. <laughs> it is episode 175. I don't know why we haven't actually invited you here in the past as well. We do apologize, but it's good to have you on the show. Uh, we now do have a good excuse to have you on the show because something has happened in your career side. But you were an MVP as well. Can you can you do a quick intro of what you've done in the past and what are you do now? Yeah, uh, so... For my past sins, I was an MVP in SharePoint and Office development and a couple of other categories as things changed over the years. Um, I got thrown into SharePoint as part of an upgrade to WS 3.0 or MOS in January of 2007 when I started a brand new role. And they needed to find something for me to do. Uh, before they put me on a customer site. And I kind of fell into SharePoint through that and wound up becoming an MVP, you know, very much a developer-focused MVP. Um, yep. It's always what I've been doing is de software development and web development. Um, the last few years, though, I haven't been so much in the SharePoint and Office space. I've actually been building the websites for all the large Microsoft events like Build and Ignite and Inspire with a very large team of other vendors, but that's been quite fun. But yeah, a month ago now, I started with Microsoft as a principal engineer Yay. on the uh, Microsoft Graph team, focusing on developer experience. Um, specifically, I'm looking at our JavaScript-based properties so that's our sdks and a little thing called the microsoft graph toolkit so you will be actually then working with sep is that then the I connection am. whenever sep is back from his well-deserved parental leave so yeah i am he's back in just over a month yeah 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 so you're then fully adapted and understand how microsoft works by that time right Hey, Seb, I've got three, three key ideas here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I am very much learning how different it is inside the mothership than from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's actually let's focus on that one bit. I have to explain. So you've worked actually super closely with Microsoft for quite a few years. So if anybody has signed in and registered to Ignite or Build and so on, they've been actually using stuff which build together with the team, which you've been part of. Um, and you've been really close with the company, but still moving into the company is like, oh, 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 this is how it works. So was that the experience? That's why. Or how was it? <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a lot of um, moments of, oh, okay. Oh, so that's what people were talking about. 
yeah. in conversations that I've had and just it's quite a shift um to to make mentally um it's been, it's challenging but it's exciting to be doing new things and learning new things really yeah yeah any any kind of a things which you can be like oh i always thought oh now it makes a bit more NDA. sense and then we went beep beep and we did beep 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 um i i i will say that for uh the or any other first impressions like uh wow this Uh, is really cool or i mean the amount of uh output we're generating with the small team that we have for the graph developer experience core team like it's quite impressive the the number of different fronts that we're delivering software on with the size of team we have um working with a team who so we've got uh folks all around the world um literally all around the world um but with the development team we have a core development center in Nairobi, Kenya, as well as here yep. in Redmond. So, um, learning how to work with those folks is—it's a learning process, and it's actually a really fun one. Yeah, yeah. Really and you're still—you're working. Are you working from home mainly, or are you working from the office? Uh, what's he's the, in New Zealand. You 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 can see it right yeah, from the background. The yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this is actually a background from New Zealand. Um, yeah. No, I'm yep. I'm in a hybrid situation. I'm in the office a couple of days a week, and I'm home. Yeah. Because you are located in Redmond area. Um, let's come back on on, on on the craft toolkit and all of that future in a, in a second. We're going to deep dive and get all things out of you um, and talk about your colleagues like Vincent Bire and all of that stuff. Um, but let's talk a bit about the New Zealand. Uh, so you used to actually be in New Zealand. You got your first MVP probably in New Zealand, if I remember correctly. Uh, and yes. then you worked with Microsoft already for a while and then decided to move the the Redmond. Why? Why did how? you? Well, let's start first with why, and then go to how, and then the the contrast and differences. Yeah. Uh, so, for anyone who hasn't worked with Microsoft, um, there is a large group of people in in Redmond who you have to work with if you're working as a vendor or even yep. as a remote person. Um, really. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so, and sometimes as a vendor, the only time that those people can meet with you is, say, 9 a.m. Pacific. Yeah. And in New Zealand at this time of year, that's 4 a.m. And when the that, customer early. says that's the only time slot they've got for the next week and a half, you take it. So you yep. get up at 4 a.m. for a phone call and then yep. get back to sleep. Um, so that was a, a little bit – and just the ability to be a little bit closer to my customers was a, a, a motivator. But for me, we'd spent – my wife and I had spent two years living in Canada and being ski bums. And we wanted to move back to North America to explore more of what's on offer up here and, yep. frankly – to have a longer ski season was a little bit of a draw as well. 
<laughs> well, that's actually a really good point. That that it's never, especially if you're a, you have a family, it's not your unique decision. Never, mm-hmm. or it never should be, at least, unless you're ready to face the consequences of that. On decision. PMP Weekly, we talk about technology <laughs> and family advice. Of course, no, no, no. But it's it's if we think about technology, technology is all about humans and people, and this is all about people reaction it's and people very deep. And, Best, like like oh, on Monday, like like I'm surprised. Like this is the, I don't know the third time we talk today, and it's like you're like every single time you're like, ha. <laughs> Some new sites for me. Yeah, so that's philosophy, good. The so philosophical better. To be able to be, let's say, to be able to to work in a company like you did, and to be able to work with Microsoft efficiently, you you have to have your life and working in balance, right? So mm-hmm. therefore the family and uh, the wife situation, everything else has to be in balance. Of course, whatever that means for a unique person is highly subjective. So everybody has their own way of dealing things. But it's kind of a good thing to call out that that's, uh, those decisions to move is never just a decisions by one person, typically yeah. if there's a Abs- family. Existing. Absolutely. We actually, uh, when the company said, hey, like we'd like to move you up to North America. The timing was such that we actually said, hey, let's just put the brakes on a little bit here. Uh, we'll pause that for about a year, please, because turns out that at that time my wife was pregnant yep. with our first child, and she was very much opposed to the idea of moving to North America to have our first child with no family around, which yeah. totally fair. Makes sense, yeah, yeah. Worked out for yep. us. Yep. Yeah, and I guess it is it is a really awesome thing, right? That it goes two ways, right? So so on one hand, the company wanted you to go there, but on the other hand, they totally understood, like, yep, yeah, not now, but maybe let's revisit in a year, and that's perfectly fine too, right? So yeah. you didn't have that push that you had to do it. It's either now or never, right? So so it's really awesome to hear that your company that gave you that ability, that room, but also was per- perfectly yep. fine. Okay, not now, but we will revisit. And there's, you know, no harm done, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. No, they were they were a great company to work for. Um, they don't officially them. exist anymore. Having Cut been acquired merch. by, okay, got there acquired we go. by Cap Gemini. And yeah, the, there you go. So you yeah. left and then the whole company was dissolved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, but on that moving, it's now the situation then that are you going to, what's the, do you have a long-term plan or are you going to see how long you're going to stay in, in the Seattle? Because again, I can imagine the, the New Zealand is from a cultural perspective, it's quite different. And <laughs> they, they keep on saying actually that Finland and New Culture, Zealand are pretty the weather, close. the people, like, yeah. is there something that isn't different? <laughs> well, you both speak English, kind of. Well, let's start <laughs> with what was the, are there any, any big cultural differences? Like, really big things which you needed to learn in the u.s culture there's been a few um uh, people are not as uh willing to talk about politics here it's uh, it can be a bit of a taboo subject sometimes let's just yep. put it that way um yep. and it's actually a really good way to avoid conflict by not talking about True. <laughs> True. politics but um you know uh one of the strange like cultural shifts is having to work out anything medical. It's like, okay, is this covered by my insurance? Mm. Who's the provider I need to go through? Whereas New Zealand's, you know, 
horrible communist country with socialized health care and public health. Yep. Polly yep. understood. Go to the doctor and get yep. referred to the place you need to go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was in quotes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for for the podcast listeners, just to make sure. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening on audio, that was sarcasm. I love my country. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that. I know that that's one of the things. Any any other things? Of course, I'm, but I've understood just to call out for anybody who's been looking into moving. Uh, also, the the public transportation is a bit different. Uh, even though Seattle area is getting better, actually. Uh, how would you know about um, public transportation in New Zealand? I'm well aware of things in the world. Don't <laughs> um, <laughs> say. Actually, I, I was living in Auckland, New Zealand before we moved to Seattle. The Public transit systems are both equally horrible. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. They are sufficient, but yeah. nothing more. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that is fair. Uh, yeah, you know this. This uh, city, at least, is in parts highly car dependent. There's parts places that you live. If you live here and you don't have a car, you're going to have, have a horrible time. So yeah. that's been quite a shift. Um, where my wife and I first lived, we actually deliberately chose to live in places with good access to tra public transit to get me to and from work. Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. So do you actually have a proper American car? No. Because you've been there for a few years, right? So you, no, you would expect... I, I don't have a proper American car. Okay, so we no, have, we no have trucks. We Subaru Outback, which is... So Japanese, or is it Korean? It is Japanese. Yeah. Um, Assembled in America, this one, um, but it's good for our life lifestyle. Yep. It gets us to the mountains. It, I've driven it through quite a large amount of fresh snow to to and from mountains. It's, yeah, it's for us as a single car for our family. The kids are getting older, so we're actually uh, we put a deposit on a brand new EV. Um, hope to take delivery of in a few, two or three months. Cool. Interesting. I'm curious. <laughs> uh, Kia EV6. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. So nothing exorbitant, like no, um, I don't know, Tesla truck or... <laughs> yeah, no no Cybertruck, uh, no Rivian, although those things are quite cool looking. Yeah, they are. They are. Now... You've now stayed in Seattle for a while, and, and now you get to the new role in Microsoft. And just out of curiosity, so I, I, is the family looking ahead like a year, or is there a conclusion already that we're going to stay here, we're going to fly over to New Zealand, or what's the what's the situation? Because the, that discussion comes up for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, at the moment, we're really happy here, and we don't have any plans to leave. But if there is... Honestly, if there's a fundamental shift to the right in American politics, I don't know that we'll stick here that much longer. Yeah. Um, just I, I value uh, freedom of choice and uh, reproductive rights for people. So yeah. I, I've got some issues with the current state of play here. Um, yeah. So we're my wife and I are looking, you know, at the moment we're really happy reassess in three or four years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you never know how the world changes. We 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 need to remember mm-hmm. that world has changed significantly since mid February, for example, this year in Europe. So it's it's just yep. you never know, completely out of blue. Uh, so things and the security situations and everything changes. So it's just the status of the world where we're living. So it's mm-hmm. hard to predict where we are in five years. Yeah, I mean, we, except we in the Netherlands, of course. So, right, Walter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. like, yeah, like, how do we arrive at these? You know, it's Monday, like, the sun is shining, and we're talking about like really serious topics. Like, <laughs> we bought a house 12 months ago. We're we're here for a good while. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Now uh, let's let's come back on the on the work side of things. Uh, so you you mentioned uh, Craft Toolkit SDK. So that probably means that you're working with Vincent. Uh, and I was checking the the organization mm-hmm. chart uh, through as well. Yep. Um, so Vincent Biray uh, used to be an MVP as well. We've been recruiting quite a lot of MVPs within the past years, which Check. is a good and, okay. and, and another one. We've, we've yeah, got yeah, another one. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what what does it actually mean? What does a uh, pre- Principal software engineer. Does do, actually, what do you do for a living? What, what, what does it mean? <laughs> uh, I'll let you know when I find out. <laughs> I mean, honest, the honest answer is uh, I look at what we're, di- what we're planning to do and what we are doing and weigh in where I think I need to. Yep. Say, hey, I think this is a really good idea or a bad idea, or maybe we need to look at different approaches. Um, I advise the teams on, hey, these are these are things that are coming up that seem to be emerging trends in our space. These are things we need to be looking at. Have we looked at talking to this team over here about how they're doing things to you know build on top of their knowledge? Um, what are the things we can do to move faster in more sustainable and predictable ways um you know what are the emerging patterns or are there you know key changes coming within the technologies that we're working in as well as just writing code from time to time that happens yeah and as a right (laughs) and as your principal <laughs> sorry, sorry. So that's why I went for the software engineer role, not the PM yeah, role. Not a PM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to keep my hands yeah. The first the part chair. is like, well, that's a PM, <laughs> like keeping on trends, looking at, and that sounds very much, much PM. But then, like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm writing code. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the, I, with the principal part is a lot of the collaboration, the work planning, and designing of what, what's going to be done. That's kind of the one thing. If they, if we think about the principal in Microsoft, it's quite often that that's the level of a role where you're no longer being told every single day that do this, do this, do this. You're being expected to actually figure it out by yourself. And and there's a bit of a cultural kind of a change. And and if you join the Microsoft and you get to be a principal, you might be like, wait, wait, nobody's asked what, what. But the expectation is kind of you are senior enough. You'll figure it out, and you know where you, you can make a dent. If a dent is a good thing in APIs, yeah. but anyway, uh, so <laughs> you can make an impact, um, and then figure out how to improve the implementations and all of that. So, um, not saying that the seniors would not be that independent either. They are super human beings, of course. So, the why are we now in this philosophical level? Well, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like you're different. Like like bring back the old Vesa. 
<laughs> Stop. This 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 new Vesa is no. Bring, bring the old Vesa. Yeah. Like the seniors on my team are amazing people. They're talented folks who, in their own right, have great leadership and the ability to say, "Hey, this is the way I think this should be done. Let's do yep. this." Um, yep. Vincent's a great example of that. With Absolutely. Kit, he's been spearheading around Kyoto with the self-service SDKs. Yep. And Vincent is a good example, now that we're talking of Vincent, we'll call you out, Vincent, by the way, uh, is, is a good example. We talked with him as he moved across the uh, roles. He was a PM, but then he actually decided, no, 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 I want to write code. And yeah, then he, said, actually, well, he actually shared a nice article about his experiences as a PM. I think he was PM yeah. for almost a year, nine months-ish, right? Okay, so it was okay. really interesting to hear, like, how he experienced the role as a PM in, in the... Um, graph org right because like like even a pm role will differ across the orgs right so True. because it depends at the end of the day where in microsoft you sit how like what what dependence you have on other teams what is the life cycle of the product you're managing right because if it's very early on you will be doing more discovery product product market fit work where if it's product that's been around a few years, maybe you're going to be looking at the next curve or trying to, you know, lengthen the product lifecycle and so forth. So it's a different game too, right? So it was interesting either way to hear from him how he experienced that and how he preferred to sit, to spend his less of, of his time in email and more in code. Yep. And, you know, actually that article helped shape my decision about going for a software engineering role versus a PM role. Because I had been thinking, you know, maybe a PM is, role is the right move for me career-wise and the next mm -hmm. where I want to progress to. And that honest feedback really helped me go, actually, no, looking at myself and the way I am, I, I like to be hands-on. I like to be yep. able to write production code. So. I'm I'm still struggling with that because I'm 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 super hands-on and, and jumping on things, which is, by the way, a prop big problem because then there's a lot of lot of open like leads here and there and there yeah. which you need to go which is and, why the only thing you're allowed to write now is powerpoints yeah i know i know it's an ongoing joke but i'm no longer allowed to write code i guess it's a good thing though so i've, I've done my fair share of writing code but so and we actually it's it's an of course it's it's it highly depends on a human as well we need all different kind of people we need people who can write code we need people who coordinate communications uh well communications is critical as we already concluded this a lot about people to people business um, and and communication is in the key part of that so anyway we all can find our own roles right Maldek? well yes has his own role you write actually code still so yeah, but it's a different code. It is demo code. True. It's, it's not, not production code. Yes. On the yes. other hand, well, I mean, so in the open source world, I do write CLI for M65, and that True. is production code. So True. I'm True. not playing quite quite fair. And it's kind of this interesting thing that we have the room, even in our work, to, you know, uh, pursue other things that you find, find interesting. And we are even encouraged to do that, right? Like, if you want to try something, do it. Like, there is room. Like, my role isn't really fixed to a specific area right because being advocate it really spends anything and everything from docs to content to videos to improvement in product too right that is also yep. a thing and, mm -hmm. and depending where you land on the spectrum like you have folks who spend more time in docs you have a bunch of folks who create really awesome um videos 
then you have folks who love to hack and there is room for everybody and it's all perfectly fine. Sure. And sure. The, the feedback we get from folks like Waldeck in those dev roles really help shape what we're doing as an engineering team and Absolutely. the direction of what we're doing to ensure we're meeting customers where they are rather than where yeah. we think they are. Yeah. Because again, the engineering team would not really scale for that. So therefore, there's a separate team of doing that. And and, and then the teams have their own objectives and uh, the, the OKRs, how they're being measured and all of that stuff, So which makes perfect sense. Just to explain for those who are listening or watching and be like, how does it actually work? So, How, many how much time do you have? <laughs> how does it actually work like that is very <laughs> that is a very <laughs> all-encompassing question now um uh, from a timing perspective 200 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yes from a timing perspective uh being conscious about the time a bit now i'm, I'm we kind of ask three uh or a few kind of a top list from you or tips uh from gavin uh well like, uh it's in your script on the yes it is Yes, yes, I, I have so, one thing, and, and that's a question, and now you mentioned it on my script, and it's, and it's top in there. <laughs> one thing I see a lot, especially, you know, social media, Reddit, all of that, like, people are highly interested, you know, like, being dev, they aspire a job at Microsoft or any other large tech companies. Yep. I don't know if, to what extent, can you share anything from the interview you had, like, was it the lead code kind of paper programming algorithms thing, or was it different? Was it really more something that is more geared in practice in real world experiences great question um there was some i had a really interesting series of interviews because it's not just one it's a it's a whole yep. loop of uh interviews um yep. the one that i enjoyed the most was actually the systems design interview where you know we talked through a scenario and you know what would you do to design and build a system to do this and okay now what about this scenario within that space and just the the exploration of that space didn't write a single line of code but we just talked through the problem space and mm -hmm. covered it um the coding interview was challenging let's just say that um i actually you need to center a div on a page <laughs> <laughs> <No>! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I walked away from that thinking I didn't have a wasn't going to get a job offer, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, those interview processes are designed to extend you and take you well out of your comfort zone to yep. understand where you are good and where you're not so good. And, you know, that was a process. It's good. Yeah. And it's, cool. I, I think the, the hiring, Microsoft as a hiring company or whoever, they typically understand that there's always room for improvement. You do not need to be perfect. So it's not about being perfect. It's more about being honest and understanding where you can improve and, and openly also call them out. So if there's any like, hey, I do acknowledge that this is an area where I can improve. I'm not super strong in here right now, but I can improve that. But this area I'm a, a bit stronger. Now, my question and top list uh, or a few, few things, um, lists or recommendations was around actually on this one as well. So we do look alike, we do think alike, or maybe it was in the script. Um, so it was in what the loop component. It was in the loop component, yes. Um, what would be your, like five, three to five, let's say, tips of preparing to the job interviews in Microsoft? How, how would you prepare now that you have that knowledge? How would I prepare now that I have that knowledge? 
Um, first of all, I'd actually spend a lot of time reflecting about what it is that I want out of a job. I think a, a job. A lot of people go into a job interview thinking, "Ah, oh, it's about me selling to the company." Yep. Yep. It's not. It's about having a conversation so that the you and the company you're interviewing with can find someone who's the right fit for the role. That might be not might not be you, and that's yep. right because if it's not you, you've dodged a bullet by not landing in a role that's not the right shape for you. You right. should be asking questions. Think about intelligent questions that show that you've done your homework about the company, the org, the product that you're going to be working with, and think about how you like to be managed. You know, what it, you know, ask the manager, how do you like to manage people? What do you think an effective way of managing people is? What are some times that you as a manager have made mistakes and what would you do to change it? Like yep. I from for me that process was about finding out as much as I could about the the group I was going into and going into it from that perspective. Yeah. I had a degree of confidence about my technical ability and my background. Um, so that was an area that I didn't focus on studying for as much. Um, a lot of people will say, go and you know, grind elite code questions. Um, and for some roles, that's really appropriate. Yep. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily as appropriate for the role I was going for. Makes perfect sense. That's actually really good. Good, good tips for anybody to get prepared on on the on the interviews. And and of course, it it like you said, it highly depends on what kind of roles you're applying and and also on what seniority seniority level you're applying mm -hmm. to, because the questions and discussions are completely different um, if you're applying to a CVP level versus a PM <laughs> versus a software engineer, so. I don't know, I've never applied for a CVP role, so I, I have nothing <laughs> to share in this space. However, I might try, <laughs> just for once, for the, in, the, uh, the experience. Experience, exactly, yeah. just for the experience. <laughs> That's perfect sense. So what is your strategy, Vesa, to bring product X to two billion? Um, <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's a good answer because that gives you some time to think through the right answer. <laughs> Not <really> enough. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I would actually say one of the key strategies when you're interviewing is to echo the question you've been asked back to make sure that you've understood the question properly. Yep. doesn't matter yep. what the question is. Like, if I understood the question you're asking, you'll want to know this. It's, it's like, just rephrasing it's the universally same question. applicable, yeah. like not even for interviews, for working in any scenario. That's a, yep. such a useful skill and question. Sure, sure. So you, so, so you actually said that a good tip is to echo the question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> cool. Now, uh, what's um, to, just to wrap up the the discussion and, and thank you, Gavin, uh, for your time. I know that you're super busy on, on catching up on things as well. But what what's happening this week? Anything? What you're going to talk about? Um, it's Monday now. Uh, any any interesting things which under NDA, just with us in this video <laughs> and the podcast it's, here. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting because I'm working on MGT, which is open source software. Most of what I'm doing, you can go and see, or a large portion of what I'm doing, you can go to GitHub and see what we're doing. Um, yep. We're 
uh, working quite hard on a version 3 release for MGT, um, which will pull us up to the latest version of the Fluent UI web components and uh, align the design our uh, look and feel from a design standpoint. So that's yep. one of our big pushes at the moment. Um, being it's coming up towards the end of the month, we're pushing for, we'll be prepping a release for MGT on our V2 branch. Those are the kind of couple of things that are coming up this week. And that was cool. AKMS, AKMS slash MTT uh, to get to the kit application of Microsoft Craft Toolkit to see what Kevin is actually doing. So, so you can go there and add comments and all of that stuff on. on uh, he's typing. Oh no, he's not typing. He's <laughs> thinking. He's not typing. <laughs> Anything interesting, Waldek, on your side? What's happening this week? Ah, uh, this is my second week back from vacation, so I'm very caught up with email. No more emails for me to check. No more replies. I'm actually looking forward to talk to folks who are now back too, so that we can uh, catch up on everything that that has been done over the past uh, weeks that I was away. And it's still very much time of the planning, finalizing our plans. And there are a few things that are in progress, so, so we will share more about that as we um, as we go more towards, I believe, September-ish. Yep. But specifically this week, uh, on Thursday, actually, I will be showing uh, um, the one of the recently added features to uh, SharePoint Framework, which is about extending list forms. So you might have heard that now in SPFX, you have this ability to that you can customize the new view added forms on a list. And I'll walk you through the beginnings of it, like really the basics, what it is, how it works, really from the level zero, le le level 10, through all the basics, all the different things you have to have in place. And if time allows, uh, we'll also walk through some demos, like how what could you think of building on top of that? So if you have time, that will be, I'm so bad in time. Seven, so that is like 7 a.m. Pacific? 4 p.m. Amsterdam time, everything else in the world, I have no idea. 7 a.m. Pacific? Yes. yes. I, I, I live in two different time zones in, for in, understandable in reasons. So I can translate it. Yeah, exactly. So. Does it also... Is, is, it, is it also like depending where in the Pacific you are? Because because that is a big place, Pacific. That is true. Yes, we we <laughs> tend to our family kind of relates on the Mexico side of the Pacific. <laughs> on that bombshell, Vesta, what's on your plate? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I have to say you're helping with some of the planning for demos and content for the upcoming conferences. So that's always highly useful. And that's a super, super useful oh, yeah. thing for the crowd advocates as well. But uh, it's not like the, the CVPs and the PMs actually get to write the code on things. There's this, luckily we have crowd advocates who can help on the credible demos. <laughs> <laughs> On, on my side, a lot of community work, a lot of catching up on things still. Uh, it's just a lot of open-ended discussions and, and things. Uh, we're prepping, on my PM side of the world, we're prepping ShapeOnt Framework 1.16 preview, uh, which, and we're rolling out Microsoft Teams V2 SDK update right now on SharePoint Framework. Uh, so that's already 50% in targeted release tenants, which means that all of the SharePoint Framework solutions are using Teams JavaScript SDK gave it to automatically. But a lot of, lot of other stuff uh, in pipeline as well. But it's it's 
like we talked uh, when we started this one, uh, as a PM, uh, communication, 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 and so many things uh, jumping in. And and being a, a in a company and being in a product for quite a long time, it means that I'm getting tracked on all of the technical discussions and all of that as well, because <laughs> how does this work again? <sighs> Why did we do this? In this? <laughs> 2008, you had this article. I have a question about no, it. And you're no, like... but... but We'll spend two minutes on this. The interesting thing is, which is not necessarily that visible externally, uh, is that, of course, the product itself, even though we do no longer ship really an on-premises version, except the, the one which is kind of a forked from the SharePoint Online, but the, the back end still has a lot of functionalities which are the same as we had in 2010, 2016, or whatever. So the on-premises kind of a mental mindset in the back end is partly there as well. <laughs> SP Web is still there, so uh, so it, it's just an interesting nuances, and therefore, or let's say, content type, site columns, all of that in the SharePoint, because I, I work in a OneDrive SharePoint world, uh, all of that basic concepts of replication, copying, and all of that's inheritance still does exist, so all of that has an impact. So, so in other words, what you're trying to say in a really elaborate way, that your investment in MCM that you've done way back when still pays off today. Yeah, it's kind of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, not that it's actually a fun thing that you're the one who's getting the track on the, all of those discussions, but you know, so. <laughs> well, but look at it from the other side. Imagine that you were in there. What? I can imagine not quite a few bad things happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair point, fair point, fair point. Yeah, let's do this at scale. Hold up, hold up, hold up. This, <laughs> this, this, this does not scale by fair design. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's the uh, a, again back on the dinosaur discussions, um, and even Gavin is from the dinosaur background. Uh, yeah, you so. used to build. You used to. Build. I think we when we first met was it in the at the MVP summit in Seattle or was it already in Redmond? When no, did you no, get get your MVP? It was we first met in Anaheim. Shepherd Shepherd, Shepherd Conference in two thousand nine. Was two thousand nine? No, two thousand eleven. 11. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Time flies. Back then, you were working on public facing sites in SharePoint, right? I was as oh, well. Valdek yeah. was as well. Oh. Yeah, WCM templates based on <laughs> web templates and feature stapling. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Ah, good old days. Oh, Eight, the fun 850. 850. <laughs> 850. Yeah, yeah, Pages Library. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, there you go. <laughs> The list type code of pages library. So yeah. publishing pages library, let's be precise. Yes. So. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> bad bad memories. <laughs> it goes from history. No, 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 no. It was it was pushing the product be way beyond the limits it yes. was it was built for. Yeah. And it was so much fun. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, Gavin, for joining us on this memory lane. <laughs> but congratulations on the new role. Really cool to have you in the company as well. Um, and, and awesome to have one more MVP joining on the company because, again, MVPs have the real-world experience. It's not that the non-MVPs wouldn't have, but uh, you've been around for a long time. You know how, to, how people are building for the Microsoft 365. So having that experience is really, really cool. And thank you for joining uh, on this discussion. We'll catch you on the show again at some point. Uh, Sooner tonight. than in the next four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank but you whenever very much the... for having me. It's been yeah. great thank to you. have this chat with you both. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin.
great to catch up as well. It's been a while since we've been in the same location, so <laughs> well, almost like a same location. But anyway, uh, thank you everybody for watching and listening, uh, and we'll jump on the weekly articles uh, right after this with Waldek uh, on the show. Cheers. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Gavin, for that discussion. Really, really cool. And, and congratulations uh, to join Microsoft. We're super happy to have you here. Uh, you've been so active throughout the years in the MVP channels, community channels, and, and you certainly have sufficient amount of experience from a technical perspective, again, for the role. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's part of the things. And of course, after a few months, you'll be running and doing changes and really making worldwide, worldwide impact, which is really, really cool. Uh, as well. But let's jump on the weekly articles. So what's happening within the Microsoft uh, news and in the community news. So let me share my screen. And can you see it? Can you see it? Can yes, you see it? Can I you can. Excellent. So first of all, and not that much actually news from Microsoft this week. Uh, so the only organization which was releasing blog posts, which is a bit strange, uh, was the Power Platform organization. Not it's a strange for Power Platform organization release news, but that nobody else was releasing any news, which is a bit of an interesting uh, coincidence. Probably will have a, a massive amount of news then on the current week, right? Because yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, <laughs> which could easily happen. Anyway, on the Power Platform side, let's start from here. Uh, so Power Automate for desktop. Uh, there's a 2022 update and a new version available uh, with new functionalities and new input uh, options uh, for Excel integration and SharePoint connector actions. We are now introduced also in Power Automate for desktop and really, really cool uh, additional scenarios. Related actually on the SharePoint connector actions, there was another blog post uh, related on that one as well, which explicitly focuses on that from James. Exactly. So it goes more in depth into this feature, what it means for you, what kind of things you can do with that. So if you're interested in that, that's definitely a great place to start to learn more about this new feature. Absolutely, absolutely. Then the uh, Power Platform also released a new uh, blog post uh, on the Power App side, which is automatically create a Power App from a REST API. And this is actually really, really cool. So Yes, it is. It, it, it is really intriguing, right? So imagine being a non-developer, or maybe you are a dev, you have, you have an API and you want to build an app on top of it. Well, yep. typically you would need to go to, you know, to do all the mechanics and on that, and you start with an empty screen. Instead, what they share in the article with the latest Power Platform CLI, you can apparently generate an app, you point to an API, and what you get back is a Canvas app. Yep. A Power app that basically has the basic in it, and probably the last thing left for you is to adjust the UI to your needs, maybe do some few things, but you no longer need to start from this empty screen. So it's not, it doesn't intimidate as much, especially if you are not really technically or highly advanced in, in tech, right? If, yep. if, if, if you don't go or, as deep and or, maybe, you know. this side of the tech, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So, so in other words, like if you are not, not a dev, like it might be intimidating for you to start building an app against an API. So this yep, might be a exactly. great, great, great place to start because it takes, you know, this edge off and gives you a place to start that isn't an, an empty screen. Yeah. And, and like mentioned, it's super, super easy with Power Platform CLI. You point to a connector and then basically that generates just auto, uh, automatically the, the 
application baseline, which then have a scenario samples related on all the operations which are behind of that REST API or the connector, because the connector technology is the way how we expose APIs in the Power Platform, which is kind of an abstraction again on the complexity of an API. So really, really cool. This is this is certainly going to simplify things and, and speed up development for sure. And then again, focus on the UX level and the business logic behind or the, the experiences on the for end users. Really, really cool stuff. We should do something like this in the in the other areas as well. We need to. Hmm? Also, that's an interesting thing, right? If you watch or listen to this episode, get back to us and tell us: Is this something that you would like to see in other areas, like Teams yep. apps, SPFX apps, Viva yep. apps? Would would yep. it be something that would would help you, or is it like, well, like connecting to the API isn't really the hardest part, really? Yep. So, meh. Yeah, that's actually a good point because obviously we could invest in here if there's a demand for it. So please, please yeah. do Would let us know. Would this make a meaningful so, dent? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, on the Microsoft 365 platform block side, uh, there was a, some news related on the CLI for Microsoft 365 team. You can actually talk about this one because you're much closer to that team. So. Correct. So TLDR, we invite or we invited two maintainers to join our team, right? SCLI grows, yep. and in November, we uh, check, in November, we will be existing five years. And in the five years, we went from one person's idea and few commands, like three or five, to this tool that is being used every single day by many, many folks, and we have few hundred commands. So CLI grows and keeps growing as M365 evolves, and as we yep. add new features, and we want to ensure that we can manage that growth in a way that doesn't harm us and gives everybody you know, timely answers to whatever requests you have, whether you, there yeah. is a feature you'd like to see or you have question or you caught a bug. So we want to ensure that we can handle all of that. So as our usage and engagement and reach evolves, we want to also grow our team so that it is in balance. And with that, it's really cool to see, to get JC and Milan on our team because they've been highly active. They've been working with us a lot on things like from small enhancements to big features, providing ideas for improvements. So it's really great to invite them to the team and to have them join our team. And I'm curious to see, you know, like what will this lead to? Yep, absolutely. And, and just to evolve, elaborate that even a bit more is that, of course, the, the CLI for Microsoft 365 is, is part of the Microsoft 365 platform community activities. Um, and this is typically work what we internally even do, do on weekends and extra times or evenings. So it's not necessarily part of our role and time to do that. So it's open source, community driven. We as a Microsoft, we're part of the community. And CLI for Microsoft 365 is a brilliant example of highly successful uh, one of those projects and we're always looking for additional people being part of these engagements uh, across the different projects which are running because it helps on having more people who are maintainers and we can be more efficient uh, through the community channels as well but thank you really really good news and and awesome awesome work Chasey and, and Milan uh, on first of all being active and then getting invited on and accepting the the maintenance of being a maintainer role in the project as well really really cool Awesome to say that. Now, we also had a new blog post from Louisa Fries around get started with planning your Power Apps components properly. And she's been really focusing again on the 
components creation side on Power Platform or making them a bit prettier and more reusable rather than always starting the creation of an application from scratch because that's not necessarily an, the most efficient way of making beautiful looking uh, experiences. So she's been, uh, she's calls out the different considerations and things to consider on how to get started on building those components. So really, really cool uh, blog post from her. Now, there was a third one uh, from the communities, which is from Duvan Baena. How to monitor build host agent from Power Platform, right? So imagine Azure DevOps, you have an agent that is responsible for doing builds, right? It picks up whatever you have in code and turns it into or runs on top of that a build. And you want to be able to monitor that in a, in a way that, like in, in this case, you want to get adaptive card in Teams whenever build completed or not, or it failed, succeeded, and whatnot, right? So you want to be able to orchestrate that. And Power Automate is a really great way to do that because it allows you to really easily connect to both DevOps and teams without yeah. fiddling with auth by yourself. And it has the access to, you know, the things like uh, events from the pipeline and so forth and so on. And it also offers you this really easy way to post to teams. So this yes. is a great way to have Power Automate be that glue in between that allows you to monitor a service, in this case, Azure DevOps, and bring status info from that to where you already are in your work in Microsoft Teams, yep. you know, so that you don't need to pay attention to multiple things, but can work within Teams and get input from all systems that you use in there already. Yeah, this is an awesome example of Power Automate being the business workflow engine behind of the scenes and making sure that something happens there. Fine, let's actually move it in here. I'll push that one forward and all of that. So really, really cool. And of course, the user notifications around what's happening behind of the scenes included in there. So really, really great, uh, great work, uh, Duvan, uh, uh, related on the, the process and clarifying how this could be done. Now, uh, Laura had a new blog post about auto configuring SharePoint sites with site templates to set up from start to finish. Um, in a typical way, Laura goes through and explains the whole scenario and has a lot of details and insights related on all of the different things, um, what we can do around complex templates, which are not necessarily fully supported in the JSON and how we can call an Azure functions and implement things and authenticate back and all of that stuff. So really, really cool stuff from her explaining the, the processes and models. And even though the, the out-of-the-box site template uh, definitions are relatively flexible nowadays, quite often you need to do something extra, set a thing, set up, set a functionalities using API. And this really works through how that can be done uh, together with the integration in SharePoint and within the templates level. So really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Laura, on that. The cool thing about Laura's blog post is that they kind of consider, they answer all of the questions already. You're like, but is this covered? And, and it's there. You know, but okay. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Like It's always like being one step ahead of you. Like you read it, you come up with a thing. Like, yeah, it's there. Yeah, that's yep, one thing exactly. to do. Exactly. Because it, exactly. it only proves, right, that um, she's coming from a field, so she has a lot of hands-on experience with that, where you actually come across all of that. And then yeah, it's absolutely. not just a single thought someone had and you, you shared that, but it's basically the result of year-long experience in the field doing this work, and then you turn yeah. it into, you know, what I like, like if I look back about on the different or the multiple years that I've done this, these are the different things that I encounter. 
Hence, I will turn that into an article that is really extensive, but covers really everything. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Marcin, who works in the Velo Solutions, um, works around with the SharePoint framework and builds stuff for the Microsoft Teams and Viva and SharePoint framework. And coming back on what you just said related on experiences from the field, uh, he is a really good developer and building stuff uh, for their offerings. Uh, cool thing is that uh, he is allowed to share his learnings within the within a block platform and in open source as well. And this one, uh, first article is around dependency injection using SPFX service scope. Uh, so basically a pattern, how to do that, and what does it actually mean, and what's the benefits out of using this uh, pattern within your SharePoint framework solutions. So really, really cool stuff uh, from Marsing there. I'm gonna actually cover the next one as well from Marsing, uh, which is around batching Microsoft Craft requests from multiple SPFX packages. So how can we optimize the behavior uh, with the SPFX solutions uh, as we're using Microsoft Graph API hitting the graph behind of the scenes. Of course, we're hitting the graph because graph is the access point to everything. So, but really, really good learnings, uh, not as super long things, but calling out the key scenarios and how things can be done. So really, really cool. That's by the way, a good example of batching two different requests, which is optimizing rather than having one request, another request, third request and waiting for backslide, you can actually do it as a batched operation. Then we had an article from you, Waldek. Uh, exactly. Yeah, so not really a deep dive tech article this time, but more around thinking about the work apps, right? So if if you build apps for your company, like this, we call them uh, work apps or, or apps for work. And that can, they can be really about anything and everything, like managing projects, managing orders, whatever it is that your company needs to do for work, right? Yep. And oftentimes what we see when we talk to customers and partners is that these apps focus on their objective, right? So managing a, a project means showing pro project info, project team, and about that. and. If you think about that, when you build, when you work on a project, there's more to it. Like you communicate with the customer, you communicate within project team, who is a project team. You need info about uh, people who are on a team. You probably need files. And oftentimes you have other systems where you can store that info. Like on yep. Microsoft 365, it would be Teams, Outlook, and SharePoint, right? So you wouldn't replicate that in your app, but you would you would reuse what is available to you and store the info there. The question is, how do you link to them? Like, um, and probably the easiest way it is to like add a link to the relevant place in Outlook or in Teams to to like add deep link to a team or add deep link to a site where you have files. And I think that is a shame because it leads to what people having to have multiple tabs open on a screen and to get the full context of their work, they need to go back and forth between files and Teams and the app to grab everything that they need to truly encompass where we are in project, what are we working on, and so forth and so on. And the alternative is something that I talk about in the article in depth, right, is that you can use APIs that are available on Microsoft 365 to bring that data directly to your app. And there are benefits to that. So if you're interested in this space, not really going deep dive in the tech about how you would do it, but just the fact that you can do it and that's something for you to think about, check out, check out the article. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's all about the ideas and okay, so can I do that? What does it actually mean? And oh, then you spark an idea and then you start implementing things. So because before we write code, it would be good to think through why are we writing the code and what does it actually, what are we trying to accomplish? Yeah. So, and even just the fact that you can do it, that that's something that you could include, right? So just sure. the first step, like, sure. uh-huh, I didn't know that that was a thing, right? Because like, exactly. we've been around for so long that to us, many of these things are well, duh, of course you can do that. But, well, every day there are that's new folks who start. Exactly. And exactly. that's a new thing, right? And if you're coming yep. from a different system or background, it might be, it might not be self-evident that you can actually do that, right? Yep. So, so that was my attempt to spark that interest and to raise that awareness, right? That, that yes, you can do that on 365. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Marcus Merler had a new blog post as well uh, related on uh, Teams meeting app API in a bot activity handler. Um, and it talks about how to access the information um, and using the APIs um, because there's more and more interest and hopefully more and more demand for Microsoft meeting apps. So it is an interesting new scenario. Um, and he actually demonstrates what kind of information is available, how you can access the information, how you hit the APIs and all of that within his sample. And I, if I remember correctly, he is already being scheduled uh, to a community call to do a live demo and clarification and, uh, or repeat of the data within the blog post as well. So which is really, really cool. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Marcus, on that. Then we had an announcement related on PMPJS. Yes, there was a new version of PMPJS version 3.6 this time. And there is a link with the release notes uh, explaining everything that, that, that is new, what is fixed, what is added. So if you work with PNPJS, check it out. Check out the latest additions that will allow you to work more efficiently. Yep. Yeah. It is instead of well, coming back on the projects related to Microsoft 365 platform community, PNPJS as being one of those projects which are super widely used worldwide. It's just amazing. Uh, it's like... Well, is you, it hundreds you, call it, you or, know, or, the de facto SDK for use for calling uh, SharePoint, right? It's it's if I remember correctly, it's not. It's actually more than it's hundreds of requests in a second worldwide, which are coming in through BMPJS, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. So, for an open source community project. Exactly, and I, and I guess maybe it would be good for us to you know elaborate a little like. How does PNPJS compare, for example, to the Microsoft Graph SDK that, that we have? Well, BMPJS is, is there's, there's few things. So first of all, BMPJS is using uh, partly the native SharePoint REST API surface. Uh, so you don't have to authenticate with the Azure AD um, because if you're running in the context of the SharePoint already, uh, you kind of have access on the endpoints. Well, not kind of, you have access on the endpoints and then BMPJS is an abstraction of that REST layer. Now on the, the Craft JavaScript SDK side, uh, right now still the Craft SDK is not fluent so there are Craft APIs in BMPJS focusing on certain areas, and it provides because it's kind of a fluent dot list dot get item dot whatever. The, so you don't have to remember that full URL. Now, a lot of the learnings which are in the BMPJS are getting also adapted in the Microsoft Craft SDK. So sooner or later, uh, we'll see an update on that side as well. Um, and that doesn't mean that BMPJS is necessarily going to go away. There's a, a, a use case for that as well. But it's it's really kind of a cool to see how widely this is being used. It was actually originally created in 2016. So it's been around for a while. It flies, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. 
Cool. Then we have three videos. Uh, Paula had a video related on uh, the search, uh, BMP Modern Search web parts, so using the search results web part in BMP Modern Search. And, and these are open source community-driven web parts, actually, which are used in thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, tenants uh, all around the world uh, within a monthly basis. So uh, really, really cool to see the success here as well. And Paula talks about what does the web part actually provides and how it can be used to create your own enterprise search experience uh, within your tenant. Then there was a, a video from April related on CSS basics. CSS basics for low-code devs. So... Apparently, when you build Power Apps, you can use, like, HTML and CSS are relevant. And if you're coming from a no-code or low-code background, that that might not be top of your head. So April gives you a great overview how to start, you know, with HTML and CSS, what it's for, how it works, really the basics for you to be able to start. And get you basically to the point where you can ask relevant questions. Okay, I need to know more about X because it's oftentimes, you know, the hardest part where to start because you cannot ask questions if you don't know what do you want to ask about, right? So it's sure. like, where do I sure. start? And where do I start is so broad, right? Because like somebody might want to teach you HTML in the context of, I don't know, a web app. And that goes way too far if what you want to build is Power Apps, right? So this is really neatly scoped to the context of Power Apps that gives you right, you know, the basics that you need to be able to start using that effectively. Yep, absolutely. Really, really cool video. And and under the point, what is relevant within this scope? So really, really cool uh, 12 minutes video on that. Thank you, April, on that. And then we had a, a Power Hour uh, recording. Uh, well, Power Hour, it's what is it? This is a video blog uh, from Laura Rogers and Julie Jobson. Um, so they they always have a specific scenario where they um, talk about together on making it happen and how to have what are the options and configurations and all of that. Uh, it's a recurrent series from uh, uh, within the Laura Rogers uh, YouTube channel. So and this time it was around Power Apps export to CSV. So using a flow. So how can I actually make that happen? Really really cool stuff as well. A lot of Power Platform stuff. More and more power platform stuff. It's kind of cool. So which is good. And I mean, I get it. Like it's a really it appeals to a really broad audience, right? Like sure. basically, if you can write formulas in Excel, well, you might already have, you know, the necessary skills to build a power app or power automated flow. So yep. I get it. Like yep. it makes perfect sense, yep. right? And it's Empowering already everybody. oftentimes available to you. So why not? you know, automate some of your work and work a little bit more efficiently as opposed to try to repeat, you know, the same steps over and over again. Yep, yep. use the power, right? Uh, uh, the power. <laughs> <laughs> so we already went through the what's happening this week with Gavin. Uh, so that's that's already recorded. Anything anything else on your mind? So, so. Anything beyond what's coming this week? Uh, no, the weather is still here. Summer, is, despite the fact that we are back to work from the holidays, summer is still here. And yep. Yep. Wednesday and Thursday is going to be again hot. So it's like it's going very much in waves. But yeah, what's other hot, than, what's than hot? that, what's yeah. hot in Netherlands? Uh, 29, 30 centigrade. Yeah, so 30 centigrade, Celsius, Celsius in Fahrenheit, 85, 86? Yeah, 86. <laughs> I've remembered that. I'm trying to, after all of these years, memorize I'm trying for to every, memorize. Instead of trying to remember the formula, you would just memorize, like, it's just easier. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> it's Whatever. minus 30 Far divided away. by 2 if you want to go from Fahrenheit to centigrade. Roughly. Minus 30 divided, divided by 2. Minus 30? Divided what? by 2. So 85 Fahrenheit minus 30 is 65 divided by 2 is 32, roughly. So you have like 2 centigrade difference. Okay. Error? Cool. Yeah. Cool. Ah, fair point. Okay, fine. Fine. Okay. <laughs> We are hitting the, the same, the forecast the same when Helsinki for the for the rest of the week, or the, the latter part of the week. So this morning it was brilliant. It was raining. It's it's just, it's it has not it been raining brilliant. here for it a long time. It was raining. Exactly. There's that, nothing that, wrong with that's rain. That's not my like your brilliant isn't isn't my no, brilliant. No, but it's it's well, it's a good example. I, I go out with the dogs every single morning. Uh, well multiple times in a day anyway, because you have to. We have responsible dog owner. You need to do that, regardless of the weather. So it doesn't matter if it's minus 30 Celsius or minus 30 Fahrenheit or plus 30 well, minus Celsius. Minus 30 Celsius, or... would the dogs want to go out? Yeah, of course. You really? will go out. Of course you have you Finnish dogs. Out. You have proper Finnish dogs. Like here, the dogs <laughs> yes. would be like, not, you know, no, you... no, not going out. <laughs> Yeah, we do go out in minus 30. Yeah, no problems. Okay, so well, Good for you. <laughs> and, and therefore, when it's raining, it's actually nice to be outside. It's fresh air. Uh, it's the, the oxygen levels are much higher. There's less people. Super important thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Real Finnish problem. <laughs> cool. But I guess that's it. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, on, on Thank you for that one, uh, for the interview and discussions uh, this week, and for all of the other people listening and writing and creating content in the Microsoft 365 space. Please use hashtag PMP Weekly so we, we notice what you're creating and we can promote them uh, within these calls as well and throughout the weeks. So of course, we're following up on what's happening within the hashtags uh, in social media. But thank you, everybody, for your awesome work within the past week. Um, and coming back on the reminder, we had we did have an action. If you would feel that it would be worthwhile that we would have some sort of a CLI or auto-generating of the code, for example, for Microsoft Teams applications, SharePoint framework application, in the same way as what Power Apps did, please let us know. We are both in social media uh, at comments on the discussions or ping us. Uh, privately, so. And may maybe also another thing, I don't know if we can do it publicly. If we can't, we will just cut, cut this part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now we'll never know, right? Is there is there is there a scenario or a way for you, if you think about integrating SPFX and Power Apps, does that ring a bell? Do you have a scenario on your mind that you're like, yes, if I could do something with these two, That's I would do X. Good. Yes, that's actually really good. So, if I you, would you be interested in writing maybe Power Apps components with SharePoint Framework or similar SharePoint, uh, SharePoint Framework style way uh, for your Power Apps and your tenant? So, that would be interesting to understand as well. There's a interesting set of discussions internally in Microsoft related on options uh, where we might be investing in future. But thank you everybody for watching. Have a great rest of the week. Uh, stay healthy. Enjoy life. What else? <laughs> so long and thanks for all the fish. That is good. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>